show starts in three, two, one. Go. Liberalism is back in style. Welcome to the evolution. What if you knew Fox News was just lying to you? How could you watch when you know? He was voted Variety Entertainer of the Year in the Excellence in the Arts Award. And it's one of the highest arbitrage now Nielsen-rated talk radio hosts in Las Vegas. He is also a refreshing voice of logic and reason. Live from the entertainment capital of the world, Doug Basham. I know words, I have the best words. I love the poorly educated. Right under the toilet. And good morning, my fellow wokes and Republican jokes. Thanks for joining me today. My name is Doug Basham, and welcome to the Doug Basham Show right here on KSHP in Las Vegas and on social media, and to a genuine demonstration of excellence in broadcasting. The website is DougBasham.com, last name spelled B as in Bob, A-S-H-A-M as in Mary. DougBasham.com, my email, Doug at DougBasham.com. Hey, if you're new to the show, here's what you need to know. My website is all of one page. You'll find the show's logo on top. Underneath it, 12 links to everything associated with this show, including links to all the social media sites on which we broadcast this show live. But here's the only one you really need. Click on the YouTube icon. Once there, click on the link that says live. There you can watch the show live or you can view the archive shows. Two clicks, that's it. But if you could manage a third click, namely on the subscribe link, I would be obliged. 221-7283 is our call-in number here at the station, folks. If you want to talk on the radio in our second half hour, that's 702-221-SAVE, as in Save Our Democracy, which is our ultimate and only goal. And each and every show we do, lock him up. Sticking with our recent tack of attaching a theme to a show relative to that particular day, I think we're going to call today Truthful Tuesday. As many of you know, the QOP congressman from Colorado, Ken Buck, has announced he will not run for re-election next year. I'll let MSNBC's Ali Valshi set the story up, and then we'll zip over to an appearance Buck made on Face the Nation over the weekend. All right, we are, as we speak, in the midst of a mass political exodus, the likes of which we haven't seen in more than a decade. Lawmakers are fleeing Congress at an astonishing rate. This month alone, 13 senators and representatives announced that they wouldn't seek re-election. The high, that's the highest uh, in more than a decade. In total, seven senators and 31 representatives have made that decision. Now, the reasons vary, but for many Republicans, 
It's the result of what their party has become. Count Congressman Ken Buck among them. He's a member of the far-right Freedom Caucus who said he got death threats for holding the line on Jim Jordan's failed speakership bid, at least in part over Jordan's 2020 election denialism. Now, without a re-election fight to, uh, to plan for, Buck is speaking about his colleagues and the truth with refreshing clarity. And I want to ask you about how we introduced you, which was mentioning your retirement. Um, we've seen a tremendous number of retirements announced in just the past few weeks. It's the highest number of retirements in a single month for over a decade. You said too many Republican leaders are lying to America. Who do you have in mind when you said that? I have uh, everybody who thinks that the election was stolen or, or talks about the election being stolen is lying to America. Um, that's everyone um, that, that is that is making that argument. Everyone who makes the argument that January 6th was, uh, you know, a unguided tour of the Capitol is lying to America. Everyone who says that the prisoners who are being uh, prosecuted right now for their involvement in January 6th, uh, that, that they are somehow political prisoners or that they didn't commit crimes, those folks are lying to America. As a Republican Party, if we're going to offer good, solid policy answers to the, the the real challenges we face in America, we've got to get past the lies and we've got to have credibility with the American public. And, and I think we can do that, but uh, we have to move forward. Now, as truthful and as honest as everything Ken Buck just said is, in my opinion, he proved he's not that much better than the colleagues he just criticized with how he finished this interview. In short, after chastising his QOP colleagues for lying, Buck then proceeded to lie, plain and simple. But you know that the Speaker of the House tried to reverse the 2020 election results by signing on to that Texas amicus brief. By CBS standards, that makes him an election denier, but you support him. I do support him. I, I signed on to that brief also, and I believe that going through the courts to challenge an election is absolutely proper, and it's been done dozens of times in, in uh, American history. What's wrong is to try to stop a, a, a legal function, a, a legislative function like counting the votes um, in an election uh, as, as happened on January 6th. Uh, Mike was not the leader of the party at the time that uh, so many Republicans voted against uh, the, the certification of electors. Does he need to be more um, clear, and, and though, while I disagree now? with some of his... I, I hope he is. I hope he becomes more clear. I hope all of the, my Republican colleagues become more clear mm -hmm. and recognize the fact that Joe Biden is an existential threat to this country. And we need to defeat him. And we do that with someone who's not lying to the country. Well, Congressman Ken Buck, we uh, appreciate your time on this uh, post Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Now, you see, he begins by telling the truth and criticizing the liars in his wretched QOP. Then he flat out lies and says, Joe Biden is an existential threat to this nation. And of course, with absolutely zero pushback from the Face the Nation host, Margaret Brennan. I mean, she couldn't have said something like, whoa, wait a minute. You're saying that Joe Biden is the existential threat to this nation? How so? Is it because he tried to overturn an election he knew he lost and has been found to have committed insurrection? 
Is it because he's threatened to invoke the Insurrection Act on day one of his new presidency and deploy our military against American citizens? Is it because he's been impeached twice, indicted four times, is facing 91 felony charges and other civil charges? Is that why Joe Biden is the existential threat? Can go buck yourself? I mean, you could tell how stunned Brennan was by his answer, the way she fumbled through her clothes. I mean, she was stunned. So maybe she should have extended the interview maybe a minute longer. You know, just for a follow-up question to an obvious lie. I mean, that's what we would have done, right? And while you Trumpers may disagree with Joe Biden's policies, and I realize your right-wing propaganda hate media has filled your otherwise empty heads with the lie that everything in America is shishky under Biden, if you support Donald Trump, you have willingly sacrificed the right to claim anyone is an existential threat to this country. Editor-at-large for The Bulwark, Charlie Sykes, who was also a former right-wing propaganda hate radio host, added these comments. Yeah, no, there's been a lot of magical thinking uh, that maybe something, 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 unicorn, meteor will fix all of this for them. But uh, nobody has any idea. It was interesting over the weekend that Mitt Romney did say that he would vote for Joe yes. Biden over a Donald Trump or Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, again, you know, that, that may, that's not going to necessarily move the needle. It's not going to change the minds of a lot of Republicans. But uh, he went further than other Republicans have been willing to go and saying, I am willing to say that any Democrat is preferable to this guy, this, 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 you know, somebody who is so manifestly unfit for office and so dangerous to the, to the democracy. But also, you know, another calculation that a lot of these guys are, are making to, to, to Tara's point is not just they can't win. I think a lot of them are looking around and going, do I want to be part of this club? Do I want to spend right. the next two years of my life sitting next to Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene? Do I want to be part of this ridiculous chaos? Um, and, I think many of them love being in office, but the, the price has just gotten too high for them. I would now like to pass along my best wishes to the venerable late night host Stephen Colbert. His show has been canceled this week as Stephen recovers from surgery for a ruptured appendix. And in his typical style, Stephen posted this on social media, quote, I'm sure you're thinking, turkey overdose, Steve, gravy boat capsize. Actually, I'm recovering from surgery for a ruptured appendix. I'm grateful to my doctors for their care and to Evie, that's his wife, and the kids for putting up with me. Going forward, all emails to my appendix will be handled by my pancreas. End quote. Once a comedian, always a comedian. Get well soon, Stephen, and get back to proving why those who watch late-night comedy shows are more informed than those who watch Fox Noise. And you know what's interesting? I went to the comment section on that story that reported this, and the number of those who obviously make up Trump's brain-dead maga-cult base are amazing. Now, the headline read that the show was canceled instead of postponed until Stephen recovers, and that led to comments like, we can only hope he's gone for good, and one can only hope to never see his unfunny face on TV again, and all he did was spew false nonsense, 
And of course, that poster offered no example primarily because he couldn't. And then I went to the Western Journal website. That's where I fight with member of, members of Trump's base. Here were their comments. Make it permanent. He is truly a disgusting creature. Too bad it wasn't an embolism that ruptured in his brain. Stephen, quick, get another vax. We want you to stay safe. And this site, of course, is full of anti-vaxxers, and everyone who dies from Matthew Perry to every athlete died from the vaccine. Also, Stephen, I can only hope it was horrifically painful. I am sorry when anyone is ill, but whatever gets this man off television is good. Good riddance. And no sympathy. And... This little woke radical lying propaganda pushing no talent fake comedy host belongs in an unemployment line broke and living off the street. But of course, like any leftist, he'd apply for government assistance. <laughs> and finally, the most ridiculous one of all. He is receiving the direct judgment of Almighty God for his satanic attacks on conservatives. Yeah, that's what it is. But, you know, it kind of begs the question, does anybody go over to these posters' homes, tie them to a chair, and force them to watch Stephen? Of course not. And I would go even further and say they don't watch him. All they've done is see on social media some of the anti-Trump remarks he's made, albeit truthful, and that makes him unfunny. No, Stephen Colbert is very funny. But what's more important than that is this. Yes, Stephen puts a humorous spin on the news, but I have never once heard him misreport or predicate his humor on anything but the truth. And that applies to all late night hosts, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, Seth Meyers. Now, in my opinion, Colbert is the funniest of all the current late night hosts, but they are all careful to base their jokes on the truth. And good on them for so doing. And again, as a result, studies and surveys have repeatedly shown that those who patronize late-night comedy shows are indeed more informed than those who watch Fox Noise. Fox is like late-night comedy shows minus the comedy and the truth. Although, to be fair, some of the things they quote-unquote report are downright laughable. Call it unintentional humor. Fox Noise is essentially the National Enquirer on TV. And we need look no further than that than to that recent car crash at the U.S.-Canadian border. Isn't it amazing how quickly a terrorist attack that was caused by Joe Biden's weakness can suddenly become just a car crash? The right-wing propaganda hate media couldn't wait to exploit this incident to pile on Joe Biden. It happened because Biden is weak. It's a domestic terrorist attack. You know, even though they were trying to leave the U.S., they were on their way to Toronto for a KISS concert. I don't know, can a KISS concert be classified as a terrorist event? I suppose, under certain circumstances. Remember the song by KISS called Beth? Beth, I know you're lonely And I hope you'll be alright 
That song, Beth, was Kiss's biggest commercial hit here in the U.S. And while I've never been one to kiss and tell, huh? you see what I did there? I have only one kiss story claim to fame, which I'll share with you some other time, regarding one very enchanted evening I spent with Beth. But this terrorist attack, it was all Biden's fault. Wouldn't have happened if Trump were president, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When all it was, was a car crash. And you know what's funny? They claim this terrorist attack nonsense came from, wait for it, a source. Sources. And what's funny is Trump rails on, on stories that rely on sources, claiming that it's his belief that there are no sources and that journalists just make up stories. Two things. First, Trump only says this about stories that report the truth about him and thus portray him in a negative light. If he doesn't feel threatened by a story, those sources are just fine. Second, Trump completely ignores the reality that exists between legitimate journalists and their sources. It is a relationship built up over time and predicated on trust. The source trusts the journalist to keep their identity secret, and the journalist trusts the source to give them the truth. If a source fails to do that, they find themselves to be ex-sources faster than it takes Trump to wolf down a bucket of KFC and lick his short, stubby fingers. And the ironic thing is, Trump's accusations actually ring true as it pertains to Fox Noise. Now, I don't know for certain that they didn't have a, a quote-unquote source for this terrorist attack, but I don't think that's the case. Their reporting seemed much too conveniently fast for any source to have given that false info to them. I believe their only source was their desperate and fervent desire and lust to exploit a story in order to suit their ongoing agenda and what their business model has always been since its conception. Lie about Democrats and claim they're weak and bad. Fox Noise was quick to spread these terrorist attack lies because they wanted this to be a desperate attack. They desperately wanted this to be a terrorist attack. Here's another screenshot of something Fox put on their website. Quote, authorities searching for second vehicle in connection to attempted terror attack. End quote. So now it's not just a terrorist attack, which it still says in this picture, now there are two vehicles involved in this terrorist attack. I was waiting for a post wherein they blamed this attack on transgenders. But given the current situation in the Middle East, they already had a head start on inciting more anti-Muslim hate and violence. So I assume they just decided to go with the current flow and just add to the anti-Muslim role they were already on. And here's a tweet by right-wing loon and someone some morons are suggesting Trump should pick as his VP, Laura Loomer, who's even more batshisky crazy than Trump himself. She had three tweets I wanted you to hear. First, quote, The FBI is suspecting that the car bomb explosion 
terrorist attack at the Rainbow Bridge could have been heading directly to the Macy's Day Parade in New York City. End quote. Except, again, they were leaving the U.S., not entering it. They were going to Toronto for a KISS concert. And the tweet underneath that, quote, Confirmed Islamic terrorist attack near the U.S.-Canada border at Rainbow Bridge. First word, confirmed, another lie. It was never confirmed. And yet, Loomer's supporters will not hold her accountable. They'll just keep believing it was indeed an Islamic terrorist attack and accuse Biden and his DOJ of covering it up. Trust me on that. Final Laura Loomer tweet, quote, High-level police sources tell me this is an attempted terrorist attack. Sources say the car was full of explosives, both men inside dead. End quote. Three sentences, three lies. Trust me, Laura Loomer has zero access to high-level police sources. She's lying to try and make herself sound more connected. I assume that makes your lies more credible. Well, high-level police sources tell me Laura Loomer is a liar. Second sentence, sources say the car was full of explosives. Wrong. Third lie, both men inside dead. Wrong. It was a man and a woman who were killed in the crash. And some dude named Robert Spencer, a renowned anti-Muslim bigot and curator of the website jihadwatch.org, posted this on social media, no mention of who his source for this was. Quote, Iranian passport reportedly found near car that exploded at U.S.-Canada border. End quote. Now, what's the first question that claim begets? The first thing that popped into my head was, why would people who intended on blowing up a car in a terrorist attack bring their passports with them? I haven't heard anything to the effect that they need a passport to get into their version of heaven. Have you? And then, after all the time they spent fomenting more hate and anger, they had no choice but to walk it back. But as usual, the rare times Fox does walk a story back, they accepted no responsibility. They were only walking back their quote-unquote reporting because authorities were walking back their story. And you'll notice the Chiron at the bottom of the screen. Even as they're walking back their lies, the Chiron still says, terrorist attack. Crashed and then exploded. Now, we told you earlier that there was an explosion because there were explosives inside the car. And now authorities are apparently walking that back just a little bit, saying it's unclear if there were explosives or how many explosives. And so you can see as as the fog clears on this air and they're kind of getting a better idea of what's happening. So is there a potential that this thing was going at such a high rate of speed that it was going toward the bridge? that might possibly it had maybe few explosives or no explosives and still created this explosive event at the bridge. Authorities are walking back their story. I'm sorry. Every story I saw on legitimate media said that authorities had found no links to terrorism. Every single one. And let us not forget 
Fox's lies about the 2020 election pertaining to just their Dominion voting machine lies just recently cost them almost $800 million. Bottom line, with Fox, the race to be first and critical of Democrats is more important than the race to be right. They don't give a damn about being right. Being right and truthful was never part of their business model. Fox is and always has been a cancer on this nation and one that has metastasized every single year since they first began broadcasting. It has no business calling itself a news organization and should have been removed from the broadcasting world years ago. Yesterday, we talked about the two gag orders on the Orange Trader, both of which have been put on hold pending appeals. I didn't know until I got home yesterday and flipped on real news that while most people were chilling out at home for their long Thanksgiving weekend, not special counsel Jack Smith. Oh, no, he was busy. He was busy adding to his gag order, but utilizing the New York civil trial gag order to do so. MSNBC's Ali Valshi explained and then introduced two of my favorite legal analysts. Over the weekend, the special counsel Jack Smith made an urgent holiday plea to an appeals court to keep the ex-president's gag order in his federal election interference trial, pointing to the latest real-life evidence of threats and harassment stemming from Trump's continued online rampage against courts and judges. Special counsel included in his letter sent on Thanksgiving Day the copious vile threats in the separate ongoing civil fraud trial in New York, including the quote, hundreds of threats, disparaging and harassing comments and anti-Semitic messages that are directed at the judge and his staff, end quote. Joining our conversation is a former top official at the Justice Department, Andrew Weissman. With me on set, MSNBC legal analyst Lisa Rubin. Welcome to both of you. Thank you both for uh, for joining us this afternoon. Andrew, let me just start with you. Uh, tell me about the connection for anyone who doesn't sort of understand the legality of this, of Jack Smith using stuff that's related to the New York civil uh, fraud trial uh, for his own trial. Sure. Well, you have two judges, one in a criminal case in D.C. and one in a civil case in New York, dealing with a similar issue, which is that Donald Trump is a defendant and he is speaking in ways that the government thinks. And the court has agreed, the trial court has agreed, um, endangers the integrity of the judicial process. That judicial process can be a civil case, as in New York, or a criminal case, as in D.C. Now, the gag order in D.C. was much broader. Um, it related to the court and the court staff, but also to Jack Smith and his staff and to jurors and witnesses. And I find that amazing. They're calling the D.C. January 6th federal trial gag order much broader than the New York civil trial order. Let's review about whom it restricts Trump from speaking. One, special counsel Jack Smith and his staff. Two, the defense counsel and their staff. Three, any of the court staff or other supporting personnel. And four, any reasonably foreseeable witness or the substance of their testimony. That's it. 
And yeah, while this order is broader than the New York gag order, I would hardly call it in and of itself a broad order. I mean, everything in there just makes sense to me. Why should anyone be allowed to attack these people who are just trying to do their jobs? And again, I got to ask, who would do this? Who would attack and threaten these people? And you already know the answer to that question. And if those inbreds are that upset over these gag orders, my advice to them would be next time choose a cult leader who isn't a lifelong criminal liar and now traitor who doesn't give a damn about endangering innocent people's lives. It's really simple. And again, I'm still waiting for some member of Trump's brain-dead mega cult base to call this show and defend Trump on this. Crickets thus far. Andrew continued and addressed the New York gag order. The New York gag order was very limited. It related to the court staff and particularly about not speaking about one particular principal law clerk. Um, that was something that the judge said was prohibited. Both of those so-called gag orders are on appeal and both are stayed pending appeal, meaning that they are not yet in effect pending the outcome of that appellate process. But the reason they relate to each other is the history of violence, the history of threats to witnesses, potential jurors, to court personnel, to prosecutors is relevant to both cases in the same way that Judge Kaplan, a federal judge, in the E. Jean Carroll case has already taken steps to protect the jurors in that civil case because of the concern of prospective violence um, towards jurors in that case. Yep. Whether it's Trump's civil case in New York or his criminal trial in D.C., violence inciting lies creates the same dynamic, harassment and death threats. And in both trials, this mad dog needs to be put in a kennel until he learns to behave himself and stop licking his nads in public. Now it was time for my other favorite legal analyst, Lisa Rubin. Well, we so let's discuss it because, Lisa, this, this becomes a broader issue of a permission structure that gets created that cannot just be intimidating for witnesses, but we're going to talk about this later in the show. Uh, that's also just part of this growing sort of environment of, of violence and hate. Uh, from the document cited by Jack Smith, written by a court employee in the New York fraud trial, uh, it reads, I've been informed by Ms. Greenfield, Judge Engeron's principal law clerk, that she's been receiving approximately 20 to 30 calls per day to her personal cell phone and approximately approximately 30 to 50 messages per day on combined sites of social media, LinkedIn, and two personal email addresses. Ms. Greenfield also informed me that since the interim stay was issued lifting the gag orders on November the 16th, 2023, that, that Andrew was just talking about, approximately half of the harassing and disparaging messages have been anti-Semitic. The reason I bring this up is because this is not about witness interference in the, or, or, or court interference in the normal way. It's this this permission structure of harassment and intimidation and, and anti-Semitism. 
Yeah, and you can see that, Ali, also in the affirmation from the court officer, because in addition to excerpting some of the most vile threats against the principal law clerk, which primarily have to do with her relationship with the judge and her religion, Encoded in those are also threats against Letitia James, who's the New York Attorney General, that take on a very transparently racist nature, and also threats against the judge, who himself is Jewish, and therefore those are anti-Semitic. And there's also a suggestion of homophobia. It's not just a suggestion. There's more than a whiff of it. There's some real homophobia in those threats, too. So when you talk about an environment of hate, it is sort of a cataclysm of isms, so to speak, in that affirmation. I think the reason, though, going back to the conversation you and Andrew were having, one of the reasons the special counsel wants to bring this to the D.C. Circuit's um, attention is because there was a suggestion during oral argument that there was no proof that anything Trump had said had led to particularly violent right. threats against anybody who was a subject of that gag order. Obviously, someone has been arrested for threatening Judge Tanya Chutkin, mm-hmm. but she herself is not a subject of the gag order she issued that is now on appeal in D.C. Right. By giving to the D.C. Circuit this affirmation from the court security officer in New York, you start to see evidence of what happens when Trump issues a threat, both in kind Mm -hmm. and the extent of that. One of the things you didn't mention about that affirmation is that the court security officer says, I've transcribed the voicemails that have been left for Judge Ngoron and his chambers and for the principal law clerk. They fill 275 single-spaced pages. Wow. Damn, she's good, isn't she? Smart knowledgeable, and she always comes prepared. And you know, her and Andrew make a good guest coupling. They're both incredibly knowledgeable and prepared, but whereas Andrew is very chill and reserved, Lisa is very animated. But good grief, did you hear what she said? 275 single-spaced pages of threats. That is a crap ton of threats. And from where and whom do you think these threats are coming? If you said Trump's brain-dead MAGA cult base, you are 100% sharper and more honest than anyone in the aforementioned base. And let's be honest here. This is absolutely insane behavior. Attacking and threatening judges, district attorneys, prosecutors, and law clerks? It's insane. It's unhinged, deranged behavior. And what kind of sick, twisted individuals do this? And you know my answer, those who just, who are, who are just as insane, unhinged, and deranged as the person on behalf, on whose behalf they're doing it. And have you noticed the pattern? They only attack and threaten those who Trump has. But hey, don't you dare call them a cult. 221-7283 is our call-in number, folks. If you got something to say you need to say, that's 702-221-SAVE. In a later show, MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell read transcripts of just three of the threatening voicemails. I'll let him set it up, and then we'll hear the threats. Well, we begin tonight with readings from Donald Trump's supporters. You are about to hear the words of Donald Trump's most devoted supporters. Supporters who are willing to kill for Donald Trump. They will also vote 
for Donald Trump, no matter what crimes he is charged with or convicted of. Donald Trump knows he cannot win the presidency without the votes of the people whose words you are about to hear. Donald Trump tries to please these people every day. They are the kind of people Donald Trump never wanted to know or be near or have anything to do with until he became a politician. Now Donald Trump needs these people. Now Donald Trump is hoping that one of these people can somehow get on one of his criminal juries because that might be his only hope of not being convicted. Everything you are about to hear comes from transcripts of voicemail messages left by Donald Trump's most devoted supporters. I hope they bury your ugly ass. You are filthy little Jews. I mean, honestly, you should be assassinated. You should be killed. And there's this from another devoted supporter of Donald Trump. Resign now, you dirty, treasonous piece of trash snake. We are going to get you and anyone of you dirty, backstabbing, lying, cheating Americans. You are nothing but a bunch of communists. We are coming to remove you permanently. And here's another voicemail message from a devoted supporter of Donald Trump. Do you think being a judge changes the fact that you're a pathetic little, you little dork with your little Jew girl helper? God, I hope you die. That is just a sampling of the voicemail messages reviewed by court security officials in Manhattan, where the judge presiding over the current civil fraud trial of Donald Trump in Manhattan receives those calls, hundreds of them, every day. And as you social media watchers notice, a lot of Lawrence pauses were to kind of replace the F-bombs in those threats. But yeah, is anyone still harboring any doubts that those members of Trump's brain-dead mega cult base are just as bad as he is, if not worse? And that speaks to something I have been saying for years now. Years! Donald Trump gives his supporters permission to be the absolute worst versions of themselves. And as we just heard, they take full advantage of that permission. And there is no bottom to which they will not sink, just like their orange cult leader. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. If you want to chat at 702 702- 221-SAVE. To the phones, we charge with vim and vigor, and we'll start off with Gary. You're first. Thanks for calling. Doug Basham. Gary. Listen, um, I don't know what, what you just proved, that there's crazies and, and, and really sick weirdos uh, on both sides of the aisle. And, no, uh, no, Gary. I what I, Gary, Gary, what I just proved is that there are really sick and twisted individuals on one side of the aisle. All right. Technically, uh, that's correct. Uh, but um, I want to tell you a joke. Okay. What does a baby computer call his dad? <laughs> Data. <laughs> hey, I 
can't help it if we live in a sick, unhinged justice system. But I, I want to tell you something really fast so other callers can call the show, too. I just want to say this as fast as I can. Let um, me see. The Pope, the Pope is too old to do the job. Step down already and let someone else do it. Uh, Mick Jagger, he's too old <laughs> to be uh, a Rolling Stone or, or be Lucifer. Have some dignity and, and give it up already at 80 years old. Uh, God is too old to do the job. Please step down and let someone else do the job. And anybody who's speeding and kills themselves to go to a KISS concert, they deserve to die because KISS is too old, and these people have to be out of their friggin' minds and on drugs. And let's see, Dolly Parton is too old, as beautiful and as wonderful a life that she lived. Uh, she's too old. Get out of the limelight and step down already. Now, Gary, and, uh, Gary, 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 I have Did to... Did I go through the whole thing? Oh, yeah. okay, go yes. ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I... All right. How, tell everybody, how how old are you now? you got at least 10 years uh, before you're too old to, to do this anymore. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're... Uh, who's that famous magician? There's a famous magician that I wanted to... Uh, to having a big reunion over there in Salem, Massachusetts, for some reason. Copperfield? Uh, you know... Who? David Copperfield? No, he's new. See, I'm too old to make these phone calls anymore. I'm talking about the original guy, the guy that had cramps and he died in his own trick uh, years, oh, Harry, years ago. Oh, Harry Houdini. You're the Harry Houdini of politics. Hey. That's right. I, I, I can hate, get out I of hate anything. Call, I hate myself. I hate calling my. I hate calling myself. No, wait. I hate calling your. Sh I hate myself for calling your show. But uh, what do you call it? There's something interesting about you. I can't say the same about another person. I won't mention. Uh, so let other callers uh, chime in and, and whatever. Hey, all these people, including Donald Trump, including Joe Biden, they're too old. Can we get some young, fresh blood? Something here. Okay, and, and I know you're trying to save democracy, and um, I don't want to get on the uh, FBI's list again. It's really hard <laughs> to get off. Uh, I really think democracy is getting too old. Hey, All Gary, these people are lying to us. Well, sadly, there are a lot okay. of people who agree with you. But Gary, before you run away, I have to take—I have to take umbrage at one of the people you mentioned. Dolly Parton is not too old. Did you see her at the halftime of the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving dressed as a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader? She looked fabulous. I, I, no, I didn't see it, but I heard all about it. Oh. Well, you couldn't have heard anything negative. She looked great. She is great. And she sounded all right, great. All right, I know. I know I'm wrong. You know, I know I'm wrong before you make the phone call. <laughs> now, Gary, I, have I don't know why I'm discriminating. I don't know why... I'm discriminating against old people. And I, stuff. Have, I, I have another I have another question. And by the way, I thought your list was very comical. If you think God is too old to do the job, who would you suggest as a replacement? Um, I don't know, but I hope they would step up to the plate and stop being a deadbeat dead. You want everybody to reproduce, and we're killing the earth, and... Uh, no one even talks about the millions of gallons of oil that went into the uh, off the coast of Louisiana. It's not even news anymore. He needs to show up and do something over there, at least in the Middle East. Can he at least do that? Because if that's the if that's the promised land, 
You know, <laughs> I don't care. Put me on your hit list. Come and kill me. If that's the promised land, don't uh, do me any favors. I uh, know. All right. I, I, I did enough damage here for one day. You're killing me, Gary. <laughs> you're killing me. Uh, there was something bye you bye. just said. Uh, damn, you said thing I wanted to comment on, and then I started laughing at something else you said, and I forgot what you said. But anyhow, I appreciate you calling, Gary. Always a pleasure. Well, usually. Uh, sometimes. Infrequently a pleasure. <laughs> Whatever. No, always a pleasure. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. 702-221. Oh, I know what I was going to say. That's the first time I believe I've ever heard anyone call God a deadbeat dead. But when you think of it, when you think of the biblical story, Gary might just have a point. Of course, if he doesn't take his hat off, no one will ever see it. But he just might have a point. 221-7283 is our caller number. Back to the phones, and we'll talk to Big Bad John. You're next. Thanks for calling. Well, Doug, it's uh, <laughs> appropriate that I would follow Gary. Yes. Gary, I heard your phone call on Friday. <laughs> uh, and uh, I will just say this, Gary, you better lawyer up, partner. <laughs> I will have you know, I will not stand idly by while I've been defamed. I am neither uh, have neither been disbarred nor disboobed, and I am not gay, not that there's anything wrong with that. But of all things to, to, to defame me over, as a lawyer, I can tell you that defaming someone's professional livelihood and their sexuality are the worst. <laughs> lawyer up, Gary. I'm coming after your assets. You better chug that box of ripple. And hide that bus pass, pal, because you're in a world of hurt. Oh, John, you're killing me. You're killing me. I love it, but you're killing me. Gary, it's just a joke. I will just say this, Gary. Did you really say democracy is too old? I mean, are you really that dumb? I mean, how could you possibly say uh, that democracy is too old? Do you know what the alternative is? The alternative is a dictatorship, and that's what your idol, the orange fraud, wants. That's what he seeks. That's what he strives for. And you clearly, I know you're, you're limited intellectually, Gary, and you got the ripple working for you. But at one point, you've got to realize that a dictator's going to turn his sights on you. And you might think you're buddy-buddy now, but once you cross him, you're dead. You're toast. And uh, you, you just got to realize that. You, you, the people on the right have just got to simply wake up. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Nothing else. Well, you're up, Gary. I'm coming after you, partner. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking, Gary. <laughs> I think he knows that. It, it was it was well delivered, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doug. Great show, man. Appreciate hey, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Oh, that's funny. Two two uh, two calls. Both killed me. But they were great calls. 221-7283 is our caller number. That's 702-221-SAVE. And why stop there when I know that this next call is going to be equally great because it comes from the one and only Forrest. You're next. Thanks for calling. Hey, Doug. Um, great show. Um, two quick comments. Uh, you're talking about basically... The world would be better off if there was no Fox, because it's just basically a pack of lies. But the way Fox is being sued and the amount of money that it's being sued for, um, you know, maybe Fox would get just wiped out by, you know, people suing them for legitimate reasons. And I'm my hoping. Second com Let me just go to my second comment. Sure. <clears throat> um, 
yesterday you mentioned that uh, you talked about you know the attack on the Capitol and and everything that happened then, and you said it could happen again. And I may disagree with you a little bit on that because I agree with Lawrence O'Donnell on that. I think virtually every ringleader uh, is in in jail or on their way to jail, uh, and I'm not sure that there's a base left to really mob any building because they know that they're going to prison. And I think these loudmouths that talk a good talk as far as how tough they are are unwilling to attack another government building because they don't want to do 10 to 20 in the big house. That's my only comment. Well, that that's a great point for us, but then I would... I would go back to the old adage that says when you take one terrorist, in this case domestic terrorist, down, seven rise to take their place. I mean, I know what Lawrence is saying, and and I like it, and I agree with it, and want to agree with it, but I don't think we've seen the last of Trump supporters willing to commit violence. I really don't. And I think the closer we get to the election and the more he escalates his violence inciting rhetoric i think i'm not sure they're going to attack another government building but i definitely think we'll see attacks by lone wolves Uh, you may be right about the lone wolves we'll just have to wait and see but um they really have their guard up now the fbi and all the you know police agencies all over the all over the country and i think they're really going to get caught they're looking for these guys and we'll just have to wait and see and i'll let you Go to your next caller. Hey, I appreciate it, Forrest. You take care. Thanks for calling. 221-7283 is our caller number here at the station, folks. If you want to chat, that's 702-221-SAVE. And as as benevolent as Forrest was getting off the line so I could go to my next call, we don't have a next call. Therefore, let me go back to the conversation we were listening to that Ali Velshi was hosting. As the conversation continued, had to find where it was. As the conversation continued, we heard again from my gal, Lisa Rubin. They fill 275 single-spaced pages. Wow. To dimension that like that, particularly when the D.C. Circuit doesn't have evidence like that at its disposal, yep. in large part because some of the people who would be witnesses in that trial don't have a law enforcement apparatus supporting them, right? right. They're private citizens right. now. So to give that information to the D.C. Circuit, I think, is particularly valuable to show there's not just a correlation between if you know, a Trump post and an uptick in a threat environment, right. but you can actually quantify that and excerpt it and present it to a court in an evidentiary fashion. I'm sorry. I just love, love everything about Lisa Rubin and her passion for what she does. I mean, it's, it's just palpable, which is probably why she's so good at it. But that was a great point. Many of these people do not have the protection faculties that are available to, say, the judge or the judge's clerk or Jack Smith or other court staff. As Lisa said, they're just private citizens. How many of them can afford round-the-clock security because of unhinged, deranged Trump domestic terrorists? It's sickening, it's disgusting, it's repulsive, and it has to stop. 
And if he won't shut his filthy, violence-inciting lies, throw his bulbous ass in jail. And this conversation concluded with some final remarks from Andrew Weissman. Andrew, is there a Fifth Amendment defense here to say, sorry, that people have nasty, homophobic, racist, anti-Semitic things to say to court officers and others, but it's got nothing to do with the trial at hand? Well, it's not a Fifth Amendment, but I think that... Um, what you I'm sorry, do I, I said Fifth Amendment, I meant First Amendment. Yeah, I was going to say, so um, Donald Trump has raised a First Amendment um uh, defense in both courts. And there are sort of two answers to that that were discussed um, in court. One is that this is not a restriction on you and I. This is somebody who's in the court system. So this is really about bail restrictions and remember, when you're out on bail on a criminal case, there are all sorts of restrictions you have to report to pretrial services. You could have to call in. You could have travel restrictions. My word, you could even be under house arrest or even jailed pending appeal. So there are all sorts of restrictions on rights that you otherwise would have. And what the court in D.C. was particularly interested in is what kind of prophylactic steps the court is entitled to take in order to make sure that there's integrity to the judicial process, that people feel safe, that they will come forward and testify truthfully without fear of being harassed or worse. Um, and then, of course, as Lisa pointed out, there is this issue of causality, the, the call and response that we see time and time again with the former president. And in fact, he is in many ways charged with that in connection with the January 6th DC mm -hmm. case. It is a call and response um, that we have seen so many times and that um, the court is going to assess here in deciding the parameters of a gag order. And I think the general view is that the DC circuit is likely to affirm the gag order, at least in part, they may restrict it around the edges, but that they are going to be concerned about, uh, at the very least, witnesses and jurors may be a little less concerned with people who are uh, court officials who have extra protections mm -hmm. at their disposal. Although I will say that's still a, that's still a hard thing to explain to the public why court officers should be subject to this just for doing their job. Uh, sick how much smarter I feel every time I talk to you guys. Although a little Freudian that every time I think of an amendment to the Constitution that might refer to Donald Trump, I, I use the Fifth Amendment because he uses it a lot uh, when I mean the First Amendment. Uh, don't go anywhere. Okay. Now, Andrew's talking about the appellate court keeping most of the gag order provisions in place, but maybe, as he put it, restricting it around the edges. That sounds hopeful. And I understand his point that court staff have access to security services that private citizens don't have. But as Andrew said, it's still hard to fathom why courts shouldn't be included in the gag order and why they should have to put up with mega threats and harassment just for doing their jobs. This is insane. Think about this, folks. What are we discussing? We're discussing an ex-president having gag orders put on him because he can't shut his mouth and stop attacking people. Who does that? 
And if your answer is, oh, someone who at the election stole them from them, you are a gold-plated, garden-variety, run-of-the-mill idiot. Seriously, it's time to start waking up and smelling the coffee. This man is a colossal, clear and present danger and existential threat to this country. And he doesn't give a damn who gets hurt and or killed in the process, as long as he can keep himself out of prison. And that's all it is. And if you think it's anything else, you are one of the rubes, dupes, and suckers in his brain-dead mega cult base, and shame on you. I gotta run, folks. It's been a slice. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you calling. We'll do it all over again tomorrow, hopefully with you. Until then, take care.